Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Find Your Inner Badass podcast with Tom and Bridget. Today, we are honored to have a very special guest, uh, successful artist, Patrick Hunter. Patrick, welcome to the show. Bridget, thank you for being my co-host again, as usual. And uh, hi, how is everyone doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you, Patrick. And Tom, of course. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> So Patrick, our paths crossed, uh, I'm guessing it was three, four years ago through a mutual friend, uh, Jake. And I got introduced to um, your art through your, of course, your, your website and some of the work you've kind of left lying around Jake's house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, your success in, in the last little while is like kind of like exponential how um how do you feel about the recent developments um i feel like it's definitely well deserved (laughs) i think i i've been at this since 2014 like i i kind of left a i mean not cushy job i was like a line cook but at least there was the comfortability of like a a paycheck you know coming in every every two weeks so Mm -hmm. and I think when you go all in and you bet on yourself, um, you really are forced to kind of figure out ways and, and the best ways to um, to make it. And so, the, like I, like you mentioned, like the, the current success that I've been kind of um, garnering, uh, it's been quite the journey to to get there. And I think um, I always like to kind of bring that up a little bit because it's I think in today's age, especially because I do a lot of um, you know, outreach with with youth and doing, you know, youth workshops and stuff like that. I think there's an immediacy that they kind of feel if they pursue the thing that they really want to do, that success is going to come immediately. And I think that's, you know, obviously part and parcel with, you know, apps and and how things can be very instantaneous. Um, you know, you can order an Uber, you can get your food delivered, you can get, you know, shopping, whatever you want pretty instantly. So, yeah, I always like to caution people, like, if you follow your passion, like, there, there is quite a, a learning period or a, and a learning curve, too, that go, goes along with um, it and garnering any type of success, really. It would be wonderful if you could just have a success app and say, okay, I'm ready for my success now. <laughs> Come yeah. to this address. <laughs> yeah, I think... <laughs> Maybe that's coming. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. You never know. You never know. Yeah. Um, whereas, sorry to jump in here, Tom. I, I think it's um, it's interesting to define your personal success first, and important, isn't it? So, what does success mean for you? And maybe that's a question to you also, Patrick. What What does your personal success mean? Um. Well, I think have everything kind of being in balance is, is really a success for me as well when you're first starting out it's you almost don't have any time to really do any like inner inner work on yourself um or external really like you're just trying to pay some bills and and hopefully they'll they'll be on time but um i think you know now it's been almost, I think it had almost a decade of being fully self-employed and about halfway through, 
I had changed the intention of the the work that I was doing from just having artwork on people's walls to um, wanting to create an impact through that work and create conversations around Indigenous artwork and, you know, not not just being satisfied with it being, you know, in people's homes, but then, you know, having them interact with it in public spaces and as well. So the way that I kind of measure success now is like how how many conversations can be started around Indigenous iconography or Indigenous culture in general, just kind of being more included in the mainstream culture. I, um, and with that, with that slight change in intention, uh, it's it has really opened up a lot of doors um, to work with larger and larger businesses and, and collaborate with them on telling Indigenous stories in a more public way. Um, so, you know, a measure of success for me is, is in a way, for sure, collaborating with these larger um, entities and whatnot, but um, at the same time, just knowing that I am kind of making an impact with the work and being, I guess, like, okay with that level of, of being, the artwork being in the public to the degree that it is, um, I think that, that helped, that's, you know, definitely a measure of success too. But then I think internally also just being um, good with that and, and, and chill about it and not getting too, um, you know, too full of myself, really. I was just going to ask, does your ego ever get the better of you? Like, do you ever think, I guess to, to use uh, uh, some very uh, poor English, do you ever get feel like you got too cocky with with your? Uh... Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm pretty uh, like you know, what you see is what you get, and um, I'm also blown away too by some of the collaborations I've got to have. So when people are like, "Can you believe it?" I'm like, "Uh, sometimes I can't. Like, I don't." <laughs> It really is, you know, when I think back to where I grew up in Northwestern Ontario, it's a little town called Red Lake. There's like 4,000 people spread over, you know, seven towns. I grew up in a little, a little tiny community called Madsen where there's like, you know, 40 people and 80 dogs that live there. So, you know, just the, to compare and contrast, like my upbringing to where the work has kind of gone out in the world now um, I, it, it blows my mind. It humbles me. And, and also it just, it, I think it, what I really like about the whole story is it's just that like, it really doesn't matter where you come from. You know, the impact that you have is, is totally up to you and what you want to do and how you kind of use your gifts in the world to be of service to the culture, like the mainstream culture in a way. You mentioned in your your TEDx talk that there was a shift you you had to there were things about yourself that you were hiding and that you there were like the like not fully embracing who you were um yeah what was a detriment can you kind of talk talk about that experience how you came to realize it and how you've you know yeah i think push through it yeah, there wasn't really, I mean, I went to school for graphic design. I assumed that I just would have been working as an, at an ad agency, kind of doing ad-related um, artwork and, and whatnot. And I was, you know, in the beginning, when I first moved to Toronto from Sault Ste. Marie, that was 
sort of as big as I could think at the moment. Um, I had always painted though, and I'd always like designed um, for myself um, and, or, or, you know, had a few commissions to do paintings and stuff here and there, but I never really felt like that was gonna be a career that I would have, would rely on fully. Um, and, you know, being Ojibwe, um, also a gay man, I, I kind of just didn't think that those things were things I needed to infuse in the work that I was doing, especially if I was gonna be like at an, at an ad agency or a newspaper or whatever type of job. Um, but, you know, <laughs> when you move to Toronto, uh, there are a lot of other designers that are, you know, probably just as good, if not better than myself. And I, I just didn't really have a lot of confidence in, in my design skills. Like I, I was primarily, uh, I loved like book design and things that you could actually feel in your hands and use. Um, whereas at the time in 2011, when I moved here, there was a big shift towards um, more digital platforms and whatnot. And I just had not really a lot of experience in that. So um, I did just take shitty jobs like, you know, retail or, you know, as a cook. I don't even really, I mean, I'm a good cook now, but at the time I was like, oh, I did not have really a lot of experience in that. But um, so I think, you know, I mentioned it in the TED talk as well that, you know, the wrong jobs that you do can, you know, lead you to the thing that you're actually supposed to be doing. Um, so, you know, if, if any of your listeners find themselves in a job that is really just not working and, you know, you dread going there every day, that would be a pretty good sign that you probably shouldn't be there. And, you know, to maybe think about what it is that you actually really want to do. Um, and the jobs that I, once I kind of went uh, self-employed, like I, I would do a little bit of design work here and there for kind of like soulless places that were just trying to sell, you know, jewelry real cheap or, or you know, trying to make a buck that way. And I would use all my design skills to make these ads so cool and so beautiful. And they're like, no, we just need a starburst and we need it to be yellow and red, to, you know, catch people's eyes, like use this ugly font because it's eye-catching and not nice. So I did not want to use my power, my magical, not magical, but my, like, you know, my super design powers for evil, really. Um, and I... I you know, put it out on Instagram that I was self-employed now, or I quit my job at least. And uh, if anyone wanted a commission, you know, they could pay bi-weekly or monthly for that painting, whatever, whatever it is. And, um, and that's how it, it really got started. But uh, I, yeah, got, I just, like I got real with, you know, who I was as a person, like, let's, let's, put it out there that you are indigenous, put it out there that you are, you know, a gay man and just see what what kind of work comes comes from that. And what I like about um, both of those things is there's, you know, communities of, of both of those aspects of, of myself here in Canada. And yeah, I just found like, you know, there's not, nothing wrong with being niche at all. Like niche is good because you can um, really find the people that will support that type of work pretty quickly. <laughs> That's um, that was a lot. That was a long answer. Yeah, yeah that was that was a long, long answer. A lot, lot to un unpack there to for it. sure. Can I add a question to that long answer? Sure. So it it sounds, you know, that it was quite a process for you also to find 
find your inner badass talking about this on this podcast. Yeah. Um, but still, has there been something like a, an enlightening moment for you or an ex a special event or experience? So a moment where, where it was clear to you, okay, so this is what I want to do. Or is it more a process for you, which is ongoing? I well, <laughs> trying to think of a short way to say this, but um, I think when you're when you become self-employed, it's really like a big exercise in who you are as a person. Like you're really challenged mentally and physically, emotionally, all of the all of the kind of things um, because there there's a lot of pressure to not only be good at what you do, but then also the pressure of like, I have, you know, a house to pay for, or not a house, I have an apartment, but you know, there's there's bills to pay for, which which adds a layer of anxiety to the whole thing. And how do you deal with that, right? So, you know, having a, a good process for trying to deal with or relieve stress, stress, whether that be through like exercise or meditation or, you know, therapy, um, all of those things are, are quite useful in in trying to take the edge off, but um, you know, to to keep succeeding is or to keep pursuing the thing that you're good at that is paying the bills. Um, I think it gets easier as time goes on. Like the stuff that I didn't know back when I started is is so I'm it's you know, not signing prints or, you know, having, not having protective covers over my prints or having a system to, you know, number and keep track of that. Like, I didn't know any of that when I first started, but now that I, you get better and better as you move along. And um, I, and I think as well, you know, the, the part of the reason for keep, uh, for keeping this up as long as I have and to keep going is sort of just the, the impact that you can, or the feedback that you get or that I get from, folks that buy the work or buy the t-shirts or the mugs or whatever, like it makes them feel good, which, you know, as a byproduct makes me feel good. So it, it's kind of a real cool um, symbiosis. What would you say has been your biggest challenge? Oh gosh. Like myself for sure. <laughs> I love that answer. Go I on. Think, oh. <laughs> um yeah and i would i will say this to everyone all of your listeners that are you know wanting to pursue a passion that they they you know really believe in um get a fucking accountant right away when you, <laughs> when you start um or a bookkeeper i always thought that i was like gonna learn excel on the weekends or something and it was not it, that's not the way my mind works and it's totally fine I had to get real with myself and be like, you know, you are not learning Excel. Like, just give it up. Hire someone to do that and it'll be money well spent. And I'm still paying for that mistake because I have like back taxes that I have to kind of pay back. But um, uh, hard lesson. But so <laughs> that's just a simple one, I guess, to your question. Get an accountant. I fully endorse that advice because uh, I, I, after taking grade 12 accounting in high school, it's like, I don't want to do this ever again. Mm. And I just sign wherever they tell me to sign and write a check. I don't even know how I passed that class. I took that yeah. too. And 
Yeah. I yeah. actually did really well in it, but it's like if it's it's some just because you're good at something doesn't mean you like doing it. Yeah. And that, I think that was me in accounting. I think in the beginning too, you just think that you can do all the things. Like yeah. I've since had to, so part of, you know, the second part two to your question, um, getting out of your your own way and, and kind of hiring people that are good at what they do and love that, that, you know, doing the books or, you know, worrying about packaging or, you know, writing code for websites. Like you don't have to learn everything, just be good at what you want to do and, you know, let other people shine or hire people that, that enjoy the, the things that you don't really want to do. Yeah, I fully agree to that. So at the latest one, I had to do a tax declaration in three countries, oh. in three currencies. I said, okay, this is not my thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's such a relief to to yeah, agree. Pass that on to someone else, and you're like, oh, it's being taken care of, and it's not something that weighs on you that you have to like get up earlier to meditate away. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> It's tough to admit that to yourself that you can't do everything or, or that you shouldn't do everything. That's even yeah. harder to admit. It's like, I, it's I, I would do better if I just outsource. It's hard the first time. And then once you kind of hire the first person, like, oh, yeah. what else can I, <laughs> what else can I hire someone else for? I know you, you hired an assistant um, from oh. you. Uh, um, it's your new, I think it was in your newsletter a while back. He's really good at marketing. I, I, I will learn so much just copying what he does for my photography someday. <laughs> but um, to me, that that seems like a huge step to hire someone and be responsible for their paycheck. Like, did that freak you out at all? Or were you just like, I'm doing it? Uh, I mean, it was brought on just there because it was becoming too much for me to handle everything um and i really burnt myself out and like in a like everyone handles stress differently like i started this huge like like bald spot on the back of my head and i knew it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't hereditary like it was fully brought on by like just unresolved stress like in your mind i think in my mind i thought i was fine and killing it but like your body kind of handles things differently so I, I mean, I took that as a sign I needed to chill out. And I think, you know, a lot of things too, like it was, um, it was 2021. So it was, you know, the halfway through, you know, lockdown and, you know, not really being able to interact with people in a um, holistic kind of way. And, and so I just it was like, <laughs> you're also not working so you have lots of time on your hands so why don't I just you know throw you some hours a week and um, here's some things that I kind of need help with and it, it sort of you know <laughs> I'm not really good at online shopping or or you know anything really tech related like I can operate my phone to some degree but um, she, my assistant Fatima she was really good at just sort of figuring things out like she's such a great problem solver um, I had no idea how to build, I had no idea how to use my website. I still don't, like she handles that. Like I had hired someone before to build a website for me on Shopify, which it worked and it was great. Um, and she just has kind of fine tuned things and, and figured out like, oh, you know, I wanted to have a newsletter. I didn't know how to do that. So she sort of like facilitated, found places for, for that to kind of work. So it's, um, and it's been great. I think there, 
I had quite a bit of savings, I guess, or to, you know, I, I was not worried about like paying her every week. And it, it was kind of like, you know, if she got a job somewhere else, I think that would still be fine. But, um, but it's been like two years now and still going strong. And, you know, it's nice to have someone to, to plan um, some work with uh, in the before times. I would just really plan like weeks and at the very, very most like a month ahead. And now I have plans for like, you know, most of the year. So it's, it's been good to have wow. someone to keep me organized because, you know, it's hard to keep track of everything. So, so in a way that decision to bring on, is it Fatima? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fatima is like, she added like gasoline to the fire, like really was a catalyst for you to make big, help you become even better at what you were doing, getting more organized and yeah. filling in your weak spots kind of sort of. Yeah, for sure. And, and kind of, um, freeing up time for me to, to actually focus on, on projects that need a little bit more in depth um design or or thought so it's been it's been great and yeah i <laughs> everyone should hire an assistant if you can yeah i i was thinking i should hire her too <laughs> um, a friend of mine actually has a website um called virtual gurus and uh they're really great because it like i said it's all virtual so yeah. if you have any any type of like virtual stuff that you need help with um virtual gurus is like one of the like top expanding businesses here in Canada in in throat kind of North America at the moment. It's it's really cool to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great relief, you know, when you can use your own energy for the things you like and you're good at and you don't have to hassle with all this this stuff you just you just don't like. Yeah. Plus yeah. You see anyone else somehow thrive with those things you don't like you know mm -hmm. yeah and so yeah. it's a win-win yeah totally and you know it's an exercise in just letting go of control and i think as a um a business owner it's hard sometimes to to let go of things that you have held so tightly but like you need to unclench in order to kind of um sort of see the bigger picture and and what else is possible now that you don't have to like you know carry so much mm. yeah so i'm go i'm going to press my luck and ask an impossible question okay i'm ready <laughs> oh you're ready <laughs> i love that he's he's found his inner badass he's ready um where where does the inspiration come from for the work it is so it, it's all like there's a it seems like there's like an uh a theme to it, but at the same time, like so many different directions, yet so, it it all feel like I could see that and go, yeah, Patrick made that. Mm. Uh, well, it's, I mean, it all started and then, you know, I still continue to be quite inspired by where I grew up in, in Red Lake, Northwestern Ontario. Um, yeah there's nothing there but like rocks, trees and lakes. And when I was growing up, um, I mean, I knew I was gay from like a very young age. Like when I was four, I became, you know, as soon as I was self-aware, I was like, oh, okay. Like, it's like, you kind of get like, um, you know, a system analysis and you're like, okay, gay, where do I live? Like, oh my God, this is where I'm from. What the hell? Um, 
I like, you know, these colors. It was pretty, it was pretty quite to myself. Like I was, I figured it out real early, like, like what, what and who I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. Um, and, and as, as a gay person growing up as a teenager in a very small community that's quite remote, I remember just this one memory of driving up like on my four wheeler to like this big bluff. And I was like, fuck, like there is nothing here. Like how did my parents, nothing as far as the eye could see is just trees, rocks and lakes. And I mean, as much as it was beautiful, I just, I, I definitely longed for, you know, a city as, as young, young people usually do at that age. And now that I'm older, I'm just like, Oh, I can't wait to get back <laughs> now that I have, you know, uh, a life here in Toronto. And, um, it's been pretty great to have both really to go back for weeks on end, um, up North, but, um, yeah, the surrounding area of, of Red Lake definitely poured into the work. And once I discovered sort of the, the real or the origins or the meaning behind woodland artwork, it really, um, inspired me to want to keep going with with it and and just to kind of um help your listeners out a little bit like woodland artwork is kind of inspired by nature um it's it's um was sort of developed by this man named Norval Morso or he's kind of accredited with being sort of like one of the first people to actually paint you know indigenous legends indigenous creation stories and it was controversial at the time because a lot of our traditions were passed down orally and not, you know, not something that someone could see on a wall or open in a book. So, um, you know, having that sort of um, knowledge and then having, well, having it explained to me by a, like my art teacher back in, in high school, that sort of opened up, um, you know, creative possibilities. Um, and that's sort of where the painting began. And then I, I went to college for graphic design. I was actually supposed to go for fine arts at the university in Sault Ste. Marie, but I didn't have the right high school credits to get in. Uh, but they were like, if you go to a year of college, you can come into second year of university and um, all will be forgiven. But then I just ended up liking the, the program more and I felt like there was more career possibilities after, even though that wasn't really the case for me. But um, I just had all these skills to like make my artwork that was, you know, painted or drawn digital. So I could put it onto t-shirts and onto mugs and whatnot. So it's all part of the same, you know, uh, soup or recipe. Yeah. Recipe. I don't know. It's all part of the same. It's all part of me, but um, just different modalities of how to express the work. Um, and I, I love it all. Like it's really, I haven't got to paint that much as, as I started off doing like I, the commissions are becoming more digital and there's less of a focus on the painted work so they have less time to do it but when i do actually get to paint i'm like ooh, this feels good and um yeah it's always such a treat to get, get back to what you know got this business started in the first place which was painting so um so I, hope, I hope any of that answered <laughs> your question well it it it, it does um like I, I'm a, like, I mean, I've never been up towards Red Lake, but I'm assuming it's more like group of seven topography. Mm, it's a lot more boreal forest. So it's, boreal forest. the lakes aren't as big and there's not really mountains. It's more like 
hill rolling hills and stuff oh, like, like that. okay so it's not not quite canadian shieldish sort, sort of thing it is it like the, the, the geography around Sault Ste. Marie, it, that's mountains to me. And then red up in red, Lake, it's not a lot more just like, you know, exposed rock. Um, not mountainous. <laughs> Everyone should go. <laughs> All your listeners. Yeah. Well, well, for the Europeans, your, your description reminds me of Sweden. Mm. Have you ever been there? Not maybe yet. That, maybe that's a bit comparable. A lot of trees. Yeah. Lakes and rather hilly. Yeah. And real mountains. Yeah, and I think part of like part of what I love about painting and and you know that type of expression is just like um with woodland art you're really what you're trying to capture is the the life force behind the thing that you're painting. So, you know, everything has spirit, everything has has meaning and significance. So, trying to paint nature in a way that you know when you look at my work, like it has energy and you kind of get this sort of energy energy transference. That's sort of the, the goal behind um, all of the color and stuff that I put into the work. And yeah, the, you know, the, going back to what I was saying earlier, um, the goal the goal really behind the business is to make artwork that makes people feel good. And that's been a lot of the feedback so far behind the work. Mm -hmm. Well, I... I... I don't think it'll really, I know in the, in the audio podcast, no one will see this, but <laughs> the um, there's a couple examples of Patrick's work back there. Obviously I, I am a fan and I, I, I am drawn to the, both the, the bird and, and the wolf, like, like the, the, the energy, you, you really nailed it when you said it, it's a transfer of, of energy, but do you need to be, in the presence of that energy to create that work or can you just like recall how you felt somewhere and, and work off of that or um generally i i take long trips up north um so i i take a lot of photos as well and and i kind of just take a break um that's sort of like going to fill up my my tank in a way and then when i come back okay. to the city or come back to like a, a place that i work um that's when I can kind of go back and look at those things and um, order sushi and then get down to work on whatever it is that I kind of want to get to work on. I'm guessing there's not too many sushi restaurants in Red Lake. No, uh, no. <laughs> I, but it is nice to have both. Like I love going up there and just kind of, you know, everything closes at six. Um, you know, and mm -hmm. you can't really there's just the only thing to do is to be outside in, in, in nature. And that's, that's great. And then when I come back here, there, there's almost too much things to do. And, um, but it, you know, I, I still kind of bring the North with me and, and try to, I guess, recreate those feelings through pieces of artwork in, in some ways. Mm -hmm. Bridget, can I ask you a question about um, the countries you've been living in? Of course, they they have obviously have long, much longer histories than, um, like the 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 Western version of Canada has. Like as as a country, we're quite young, even though we have a long indigenous culture and past. But we don't have um, a long Western art. But but obviously in Europe, they've been there, you know, quite quite a long time. Is is there like for example in Switzerland? Is there 
um, like a Swiss style of, of art or music or is it well, more like a music continental for sure. feel or? Yeah, well, music for sure. I mean, you know, probably the Alphorn yes. uh, players, right? Yeah. So that's very Swiss and they still cultivate it, which I think is great. So I was once on a slope skiing and then suddenly, I don't know, around 20 Alphorn players came along and just stood in front of the little mountain hut and, and started playing. It was so touching, really. Cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And then, of course, um, how do you say that in English? When when they do the, the yodel? Yeah, yeah. So I obviously I can't do it, but um, that's really do it better than I can. Really an art, <laughs> an art of singing and a very special style in Switzerland, also in parts of Germany and Austria. So in the mm -hmm. Alp regions, you have that special culture of music. But what about a visual art form? In yeah, when you when it comes to visual arts. Honestly, I'm not aware of a special culture or history. Of course, let's say 100 years back around that, you have a lot of oil paintings, so, so heavy paintings, um, yeah, picturing the Alps and the life in the mountains. But after that, I can't say that there is a special style. Maybe to or, like clothing. Sorry? That said maybe to like clothing or something that seems to come to mind like yeah yeah oh, they, they definitely have distinct um which is i, I just think of the leather leather shorts Ooh. for oktoberfest <laughs> those yeah. horrible my, my i had relatives send me a pair from germany i'm like what am i supposed to do with them? yeah but don't don't say it's horrible because um, i shouldn't right also really a, a tradition they don't and, uh, you know each valley and each village has its own uh, embroidery on the on the leather trousers for example okay. and and the ladies have a special style how they do their hair and jewelry in it so a real tracht how do you say this historic costume you can't say right but the the traditional clothing mm -hmm. that's really really expensive mm. And um, yeah, they really still celebrate it. And, and the same you have here in Switzerland. So in, in the Alp Valleys, you have this special style of, of clothes, which is really, yeah, very traditional, but also very, yeah, it's, it's somehow, for them, it's, it's a sign of pride, I would also say. Mm -hmm. So they are very proud of, of where they come from. Yeah, I, and I Sweden, feel like and Sweden the same, by the way. I feel like a transplant because my parents came from Germany, but I was born here, and I, I, I wasn't raised like I was raised with a little bit of Catholicism, but like very little, and uh, a mish mishmash of English and German was spoken all the time in the house. I, I don't really feel like I don't I don't belong. Uh, when I was in Madeira, I, I ran into a German couple and I spoke German to them and they're like, well, that's not right. I'm like, I guess I didn't have the accent right or, or made a grammatical mistake or whatever. So I'm like, I, I don't fit in. I don't feel I don't feel like I belong much, <laughs> much of anywhere other than my little 
a little hideaway on, on St. Joe's Island. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that brings me, sorry, Tom, that brings me to a question to you, Patrick. Um, so, so I've obviously never been to Red Lake, but as you describe it, this, this small village or several villages and you grew up, how can I say that a bit different? You said, right? Noticing and realizing you are different and you are gay and realized it in a quite early stage. Was that difficult? And, and what did that do hearing, listening to Tom um, with your identity and your sense of belonging? Uh, I, th I think right away, uh, well, actually not right away, but, um, as I kind of got older, you know, there's like a shame infusion of, around, you know, especially at the time, like in the, you know, nineties when I was just a very, you know, very small kid, I was born in 88. So, um, yeah, just realizing that oh this isn't safe to be fully myself this isn't you know it's not gonna go well if i come out like in elementary school so you know try to do your best to blend even though i wouldn't say that i did a very good job of that but it was always like kind of like in the back of my head to try and and not be fully myself which is you know a little heartbreaking now as a as an old older 34 year old person you know to think back about you know how much pressure i must have put on myself to try and you know assimilate into um you know straight culture as 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 best as i probably as i could at the time um and what i like about the current climate in in like in the mainstream cultures and going back to red lake there there's now a pride festival um or yeah pride festival in in the summer and really seeing a big shift in in just even how kids today kind of operate and, you know there's so much more language around mental health and you know anxiety is a real thing um and you know identifying in different you know ways um sexuality is a spectrum there's all this language where there wasn't that type of language before when i was growing up but i'm so grateful that kids can grow up in a place where they don't feel like they have to escape from or they have to like once i get out of here things will be better for me so it's cool to 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 have observed that sort of transition in my lifetime you know which has not really been that long um but it was <laughs> it wasn't comfortable but it, I'm grateful for that experience too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And talking about youth workshops earlier or at the beginning of this podcast, I could imagine that this helps you also to understand the youth, right? The younger generation and to, to somehow build a bridge to them and be yeah. a bridge. Yeah. I think it's there. They have so much more, like emotional intelligence than I probably, or even you folks probably had when you were oh, definitely. You know, in high school. It's, it's really cool to see that there's just been such a, a shift from, you know, if you don't get what I'm explaining to you, then you're stupid, you know, from a teacher, you know, and now there's, there's a lot of um, 
support given to students that uh, that need a little extra support or and it's i i really think the future is in good hands with with the next generation and it is it is cool to kind of be a person that can um you know teach them or you know I, i teaching is sort of a weird term but like you know i'm just trying to help them figure out like um ways to be creative um because sometimes there there are folks that 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 just need that little creative push or the you know the little bit of creative confidence to start their own projects to think about themselves as an artist or you know when i was a kid i didn't think about this as a job because the only artists i ever was really aware of were people that were already dead and they had you know their fame and their artwork had become just more famous after they had died. So, you know, this is a job just seemed like impossible. So to kind of be a person that can show them, you know, in, in a meaningful way that you can, you know, be a creative person and have it as a job and a career. Um, I think that's, that's a way that I try to, what I try to emulate in the workshops that I do in, you know, myself as a person, public person and, on social media. Working with you seems to be uh, something that's like near and dear to your heart. Is there a particular reason? Working with me? Yeah. Yeah. Like you working with youth. Oh, (laughs) it's like, yeah, it is. I love working with me. Um, (laughs) I think it's, you know, just more to what I said about like just illuminating a career path that maybe seems impossible um, or, you know, I think for a lot of, of people out there, like if you can see it, you can do it. So um, just trying to <laughs> show people that you can be an artist if you really want to, or, um, you know, what I was talking about earlier, like leaning into the things that make you different will probably be an asset to you um, should you want to start your own business. So, you know, being a gay man and being indigenous are very crucial aspects to um, the business that I have and, and the reach that I'm able to, um, to the degree that I'm able to go out there in the world and, and, and interact with, whether it be, you know, corporates or, or individuals. Um, and I, I can't really stress that enough. Like, you know, the fact that you are Tom, you know, of German descent, lean into that, you know, your culture is cool. And I feel like, um, sometimes with, with non- with non-people of color, um, sometimes there's a cynicism to where they came from or like the culture that they descend from. And, you know, you guys have elders too. It's just sort of been a little bit homogenized um, and kind of taught, maybe I'm speaking too broadly, but like sometimes I feel like white people have like, um, in Canada at least, like almost like no culture. And yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel. And there's nothing wrong with trying to explore where you came from. And you, I feel like there would, a whole world would open up if, if more people tried to lean into the things that make them different or cool. See, this, this is exactly why I wanted to do this, this podcast, the Find Your Inner Badass podcast, is find out tidbits like that that help people who've, you know, who either have found their inner badass or, or are finding it. Things that little tidbits, like glean tidbits like that. That that's my personal reward for 
for wanting to do this besides getting to spend time with Bridget, of course, but. <laughs> well, I, I may be helpful for, for exploring your German roots. There you yeah. go. Yeah, well, I like what Bridget was saying um, about you know the cultures like in in Europe like the the Swiss and the, the Swedish people like there is a deep rooted you know pride in, in who they who they are and where they come from and that's so cool to see people like really leaning into their backgrounds and and enjoying it rather than kind of being a cynic about that because you know negativity breeds more negativity so why not just sort of embrace it. Mm -hmm. Right. Nicely said. Great. Yeah. So what would you, Patrick Hunter, 34-year-old Indigenous artist, want to tell, say, 15-year-old Patrick way back when? What would you want him to know? <laughs> aside from get an accountant um <laughs> yes besides get an accountant <laughs> you know i would i would i would say that you know any anything that you really want to do is possible um you know that would be kind of it like any anything is possible and it's hard to think that way when you're so removed from the rest of the world like being from a small town it's kind of like you're watching the rest of the world and you're kind of stuck in your own little bubble and you're not sure if you can get out of there or how or where life's going to lead because it's it's just it's kind of the same almost the same thing every day in in some ways when you at least that was my experience growing up there but yeah I would tell 15 year old Patrick that um you know keep up the good work and um that yeah and anything is possible for you if, if you really want it um and that was a hard long lesson to learn in the you know the 15 years since then to that kind of realization that um you know you can you can really achieve anything you want you just have to sort of have a plan and, and what is what's the vision behind that and i wish i kind of had um I wish I had the imagination to think about what would be possible back then. Cause like I, I've, like I said earlier, like my mind has been blown by the impact and the reach that the work, how far the work is, the work that I've been doing has really gone out the world and the impact that it's had and positivity that it's, it's created. Um, I'm as shocked as anyone else is. <laughs> um, would you mind sharing what that impact was? Um, I mean, I know a lot of our listeners, this is our first, their first exposure to you. So they don't right. know about your recent. Right. So accolades. a project for sure that kind of stands out for me where I was able to really see, you know, the, the impact of, of the work that I'm doing is, uh, was Orange Shirt Day. Um, uh, I worked with Rogers and just to do a painting and then they were like, hey, can we put this this painting onto t-shirts and, and what Orange Shirt Day is is kind of recognizing is um, uh, the Every Child Matters campaign here in Canada that talks about, um, you know, the, the impacts of res the residential school system on First Nation communities across Canada and, and even in the States too. 
but the story is like this this one woman named Phyllis Webstad as a child went to school and she was so excited to go and she wore her like favorite orange shirt and then you know she went to the residential school and they you know took her shirt away put her in a uniform you know cut her hair took you know a lot of horrible things happened to a lot of indigenous kids um who were excited to go learn and you know what they ended up learning was was shame and hate and all of these horrible things um as children you know so it was it was not a great experience so what the orange shirt campaign is really trying to do is just spread awareness around you know the impacts of that type of learning on indigenous people and some children died in these schools and it's kind of a you know orange shirt day is just a way to kind of commemorate and remember those students that made it through residential schools but also the ones that didn't make it and and had died there um so that's just a bit of the history so um working with rogers here in canada is a, it's a huge media company and i really got to see like what a media company can actually do and when when they want really want to kind of make the machine work and um you know talking about residential schools is not an easy thing to talk about and yet they they really wanted to do it so they put their you know radio hosts or tv hosts um in these shirts um all of their you know social media people and just talked about it and and also sold shirts through their they they own the shopping channel or actually it's today's shopping choice um that kind of um that website and it was amazing just to see you know hundreds of thousands of dollars were raised for for residential school survivors charities and it all started with just like a, a design that i sketched out and then you know put on then they wanted to make it digital and put it onto shirts so i mean not only was it everywhere on social media but it was also like um here in toronto they have dundas square which is kind of like times square but like in canada and i got it was kind of displayed all around um in in the square digitally on all these huge signs so i it was like whoa this is wild to see you know the thing that i'm good at um which is you know drawing and designing um really go out there into the culture and into raise all the money and, and you know create a lot of awareness um that was like a real full circle moment for myself and being like okay shit like <laughs> okay so this little guy from red lake ontario can have you know a national impact and it is possible and i just sort of did not i i did not dream that big enough for myself you know even a couple of years ago but so that was definitely a moment where i was like Ooh, like this feels like uh, what's next like what am i gonna do after this so um yeah anything's possible i'm trying i'm trying to, to find the right way to word this question um obviously what what that accomplished is is huge and, and you can't even measure the impact because it's 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 uh, awareness it's financial, it's uh, rec uh, truth and reconciliation. It, it's, it's a huge, but moving, moving forward. And, and I mean, I know there's also your, your uh, NHL um, success with, with the, the Chicago Blackhawks, which again is another huge accomplishment. And again, much more exposure awareness for, for uh, 
in indigenous um, uh, wrong. I got the wrong word, but I'm going with wrongings that was done to them. But horrible English. I apologize. Um, but how do you how do you like moving forward, especially as an artist and also someone who deeply cares about the impact that you make? How do you know your next thing is is the right thing to go go after? Like how do you how do you say yes to this and and no to to that? Uh, Does that make sense to that question? Yeah, I mean. Yeah everything kind of starts with an email or like a, a meeting and I have a pretty good sense of, you know, pretty good read on people if they, if they have, you know, the right intentions or not. Um, so, and I'm not as like, I guess, desperate to, to, to just get work to pay bills. Like luckily I've been, I'm, you know, comfortable that I don't have to, you know, it's not, the driving force is not, you know, debt, you know? So, um, yeah, I can, I can kind of, to some degree, pick and choose the stuff that I really believe in and, and want to do. And I think because I've been able to do quite a few cool and, and very impactful projects, like there's a little bit of sway that, that kind of comes with that where I'm like, I don't really have, I would love to work with you or whoever it is on this but like it's gonna have to wait a couple months until you know some more time frees up and most people are are quite accommodating with that and I think one of the hardest parts and if there's any designers listening um one of the most annoying parts is when people are like we're on a bit of a deadline and it's like well the, I don't have time for that then because you know it's it's not my fault that you waited to the last minute to do this project. So I can't really like drop everything that I'm doing. And um, so those projects, <laughs> when you hear, when you, that's the headline of the email, like we're on a bit of a deadline. It was like, well, that is not the project for me because why do I want to download that stress onto myself? I've dealt with stress enough. You know, I went almost bald from it, like on the back. So now that that is over and my hair has grown back, uh it's just chill vibes from here on out and and you know good vibes as well like trying to make artwork that makes people feel good but then also if you know you're not indigenous like to make people ask questions so like making mugs that go into people's homes like it might just be beautiful to them but you know maybe they have a guest that comes over that's like where does this come from why does this artwork look like this if those questions are born out of like the product or whatever it is that you buy from me then you know the job of my artwork is done because there's a conversation being started and, and someone, mostly all people have like, you know, the world at their fingertips and able to find out information, you know, just by Googling it on their phone. If our listeners want to um, interact with you or, or check out your art, what's the best way to um, get a hold of you? Uh, I, I really like Instagram. So Patrick Hunter underscore art is the Instagram handle. Um, there's a lot of pictures of my dog on there. So if you like dogs, hit it up. Um, but then patrickhunter.ca is where you can kind of take a more leisurely approach to looking at my artwork and the stuff that I've been up to. Okay. Um, Bridget, any final questions as we wrap up our uh, interview here? Yeah, maybe one final question now listening to you at the end also, Patrick, you, you seem to be very much connected to yourself. Is there, any, is, is there any specific technique or routine you are using? 
to keep that up? Like you, you mentioned meditation at one point, or mm. is it some sports, exercising, whatever it may be? Um, I think it's a combination of a lot of everything. Like just trying to keep keep stock of like your mental state, physical, emotional, um, you know, spiritual as well. Like trying to make sure that everything is 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 kind of getting enough water. <laughs> um, is 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 important to me and i think that realization came a little bit later in life um that that everything is connected and you know um trying to cultivate a, a good balanced lifestyle is you know it sounds annoying to hear that but it's true <laughs> you know it's it's out there in the world because that's something that you know has you know been scientifically proven if you know like if you have kind of everything in equilibrium. Like there's just like a, you're kind of like in flow and, and good things happen. And, you know, I think when you try and resist meditating or maybe going to therapy or or maybe resist going to the gym, like maybe that's a good indication you should probably go. Um, so uh, it's, I think just trying to be more self-aware of, of like how you're feeling um <laughs> is something that i is it is quite new to me but um it helps the work i think you know um I, i've been self-employed for the last you know 10 years and there's definitely it's just a big lesson in in being <laughs> more self-aware really like in the mornings i'm more i'm it writing becomes easier like whether as opposed to late at night when you know trying to trying to do specific things. So you just try and find ways to like work better and smarter. And you know, that kind of comes with time. But um, you know, if if anyone out there is, you know, struggling with trying to get motivated to get started on something, I think that's that's always a good indication that, you know, you need to switch up some things in your life to cultivate, you know, a, a more creative sort of experience. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on Finding Your Inner Badass with Tom and Bridget. Really appreciate appreciate having you and what you've shared. I've certainly learned even more about you, so I appreciate that a lot. No problem. Um, yeah. Um, until next time, everyone, we'll be uh, on with a new guest in about two weeks. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Patrick and Tom.